fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Here's Wilson. Drifting in. Oshie from out high with a shot. He scores! TJ Oshie and the Caps take game one. Put it in deep. A steal. Greenway goes to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Minnesota wins game one in overtime. Grizzly slides it across. Score! Marshawn wins it. 39 seconds into overtime. The Bruins have tied the series at one game apiece. Here's Palmieri and Pajot into the Penguin zone. Three and a half to go here in OT. Palmieri with a shot. He scores! Deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Pucks in Deep podcast, episode 82. Josh Coleman alongside my buddy joining me here, Adam Lesko. And uh, Lesko, we got a hell of a show lined up for the fans tonight. And a quick little listen here. That's what 25 degrees looks like. Cracking a pint. You gotta. You gotta. It kills me that it's this warm all week. I mean, we had a gorgeous weekend. We're coming off a real nice one. and put some serious work in out on the boat, on the river. Put some food on my family. All that good stuff. Looks like we're going to have another decent one coming up. But yeah, this is the kind of week where it's like I if I could take the whole week off, I would have <laughs> and just fished and cruised around and just got sunny. It's so true because it's one of those moments on the calendar where this type of sweltering heat is better than what we're going to see in like July. Yeah, it's not as much humidity, right? Yeah, yeah, not as much. It's just it's just nice and, you know, hot and you can actually sit in the sun. Yeah, you're going to get burned. Yeah, you're going to sweat. But you can breathe. And as someone that does, you know, suffer from mild asthma, I, I find it so difficult sometimes in that humid, like sticky, that hot. gross hot. I'm trying to breathe, especially you try to get any work done. And I know you Forget chirped me it. a while ago, but the bad yard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've been driving by at all recently, but the yard is looking a hell of a lot better. And it's because of all that hard work. It's been cleaned up. And today... It was a difficult one. I got back from work a little earlier and I was moving some dirt around and I just, I had to stop because it was, it was getting too hot. So, um, obviously a a good time of the year for us here in Ontario and nice weather out there. We still can't enjoy it, uh, by going out on the golf course or anything. It's good to hear that you were able to get out on the boat. So hopefully that will end sooner than later, but yes, welcome back to the pucks and D podcast. We do have a fantastic show lined up for you guys here today. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam, at PuckPod. And you can find us on Facebook. And we've got a pretty interesting announcement to make here right off the top before we even brag about our awesome guest. You can see it in the title. Before we brag about the guest, we're going to let you guys in on a bit of a breaking news for the Pucks and Deep podcast. 
Let's go sometime in the making. I don't even remember how long ago it was. Probably like, over a year. I think when the initial discussions happened. Yeah, this was a this was a pipe dream back in the day, and it kind of spawned from the whole. It's the whole dynamic that I think a lot of hockey hardcore hockey fans are well aware of, and it's the intermissions boring, post game shows are boring. Uh, there's a lot of commercials. You spend your time on your phone, and the bad staggers. Yes, bad staggers. You can't just flip channels, put on another game. Right. So we've cooked up a little bit of solution for you guys and uh, for anyone out there who's interested. But uh, the pucks and deep is going live, baby. We're doing it live. Bill O'Reilly, doing it, it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to be live streaming starting game one this Thursday. First intermission, you guys can find us on our Facebook page, Facebook Live. Uh, we'll be streaming between periods one and two, between two and three, and then we'll be going at it post-game. So if you guys want to hear the most ridiculous, raw, emotional, over-the-top takes, I mean, usually you hear us on the show, but we've had a day to cool down, right. you know, get our, so collect true. our thoughts. So true. But this is going to be in the moment. We really hope you guys will join us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash pucksindeep. You'll be able to find the show. We will be posting them on our Twitters and all our socials so you guys can catch up with that. And we really hope you guys watch. We hope you participate. Um, obviously, the nice thing about doing Facebook Live is that you guys can comment. You can throw us questions. You can call us idiots. We, we're open. We're open open for whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go with this last go. Is my favorite part about this is the engagement, all right? The podcast is great. It's a, it's a nice way for us to rant and talk about hockey because we think we know something. And, you know, it's a, a great way for other people to tune into the pod, hear what we have to say, um, you know, and sometimes just completely disagree with us or, like you just said, think we're total idiots. Well, in this live venue, you're going to be able to come right in there and you're going to be able to give us your thoughts. And I think engaging with the chat is def is what I'm looking forward to the most. You know, it is in a sense, it is work. We're not getting paid to do it or anything, but it's, you know, sometimes these things can feel like work. However, when we're talking about the Leafs and specifically playoff games, all right, we haven't had a ton of playoff success over our adult lives we you know we were children last time they were any good mm -hmm. so this this is going to be really exciting and I'm really hoping for a deep run by the Leafs and I think it's something that you know I don't want to speak out of turn here but to my knowledge I don't see a whole lot of this exactly going on I have seen you know over the years people obviously going live like post game and 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 ranting or something but it's not really it's not really an organized thing it's just like hey here's here's me to my followers i'm going to go live and and you know but this is actually a thing that we've talked about for like you said about a year now you know kind of refined it figured out exactly what we we're going to do and this is going to be it so it's a dedicated live channel uh, actually, I think we're going to probably produce a short little video later this evening on the Facebook page. If you're uh, a, if you're a um, avid listener of the Pucks and D podcast, you'll probably hear this before the video is posted tonight. Uh, so maybe you can jump in. It'll be live if you want to jump in and say, hey, you know, test looks great. It's a bit of a test. It's also a bit of an introduction. And we're gearing up for, for Thursday and every game after that. So Except I know this, for Saturday. Yeah. Saturday, I'm off the grid. There's going to be a couple of times, perhaps, and I'm assuming, you know, 
consequent or um, situations may you know stop us from being able to do it but as much um, as possible as much as possible try and uh feed you guys the live show throughout the playoffs so we won't be live on saturday unless this guy wants to go solo um otherwise we'll see you guys for monday's game three um i'm at the cottage i got no cell service and i couldn't care less about anything else however my internet guy doesn't show up till next week. So I will be bound to Sirius XM sitting, I guess, on the tailgate of my truck <laughs> listening to the game. I've never done that for a playoff game. That's going to be or, you know, like a meaningful game. Really meaningful so game. So that is going to be something, especially when, like, you know, when Bowen trades off and he's like, and the shot! And I'm sitting there like, ah, what? What happened? What happened? <laughs> so I'm going to be really, I, I'm just going to be an interesting experience. I'll tell you guys all about it, of course, uh, what was my when I talk again next week. What was my suggestion to you, dude? Rent a car with Wi-Fi? With Wi-Fi, which I didn't know was a thing, so. <laughs> it's not a terrible idea. Like, it would be probably too expensive for that reason and that reason only, but that would be a, a, a pretty epic solution to your problem get a vehicle that comes equipped with wi-fi pay the extra 110 dollars for the day and then all of a sudden boom there you are you can at least watch it on your phone or something yeah. but listening will be fun man because bowen they do a great job those boys yeah absolutely so it'll be a really interesting experience to to try that and yeah we'll be getting internet installed out there so we'll be able to watch my games i'm not sure if i'm gonna have the bandwidth to be able to do this but of course i'm only there weekends so We'll miss the odd game, but we're going to try and be there for you guys as much as possible, and we'll try and have some fun. And I might do it solo. I don't know. I mean, if hey, you're okay there. with me doing it solo, then maybe I will it's do there, it there as long as I don't come back to a million hateful comments because you said something <laughs> dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's a given, but we'll see. A million comments is not a bad thing. Hey, hey, all, you know, internet, they're good press, bad press, you know. That's it's right. all good stuff. That's right. Okay, so that's the announcement for today, folks. We're really excited. Um, so after that, perhaps probably even more exciting than the live channel, uh, our guest this evening, Lesko, you told the listeners last week who we were really excited to get this week, and it's Paul Hendrick, legendary broadcaster, former broadcaster for Leafs TV. Um, I'm really looking forward to chatting with Paul. I don't even know exactly where the conversation is going to go, but I think that's the beauty of it. And we're going to have Paul joining us in about 10, 15 minutes here. Um, so, you know, anything you want to precurse for the Paul Hendrick show, or do you want to just jump right into a little bit of tidbit information that we have for the listeners well, today. I think we want to get into a little bit of the news there. We had a couple items come out today. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, uh, obviously looking for their head coach, is said to be uh, interviewing Rick Tockett for the job. So I thought that was an interesting choice. It sounds like he's probably a sought-after name on the open market right now. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think it's unfortunate because even myself, I don't have a lot of – I don't have a good handle on Rick Tockett's coaching abilities. And the main reason for that is because he coached in the desert. And I don't think anybody knows exactly, uh, you know, too much about the Arizona Coyotes in the desert. So it, it'll be really interesting to see if this comes to fruition. Uh, do you think he would be like a, a front runner? Because I can think of a few more guys, you know, that may be ahead of a guy like Rick Tockett. But that's where I keep saying I, I don't want to step speak out of turn here because I don't know a, a ton about his coaching style. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I couldn't imagine what it's like to be able to build this team from scratch, but obviously now it's getting down to the nitty-gritty and they need to fill some very important roles like the head coach roles, but there's some big names still out there. I mean, we're talking about Jared Gallant, Bruce First Boudreau, name, yeah. uh, Mike Babcock, if you want to go down that road, which I really don't see them going down that road. I feel like 
based on the hires they made before, they're a bit more of a progressive organization and right. might not be looking to bring Take a the step ghost, <laughs> ghost of Christmas past into the fold there. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. In other coaching news, we do have the Red Wings extending Jeff Blashill. Um, interesting choice. I know that there was some speculation as to what would happen when Stevie Y came into the fold in uh, Detroit, but it sounds like uh, sounds like he's his guy, and he's pretty happy with the progress. I guess they've made, if you can call it that. Yeah. Um, I know they had a bit more of a respectable season this year as opposed to last, but still, obviously, in the teardown mode. I think in yes, Detroit. Yes, of course. He'd- but it's good to have some level of consistency there. I mean, if you believe in your coach and the guys respond to the coach, I don't see any reason not to. Yeah, and you know, I think it, it it's it's a real indicator too that a guy like Steve Eiserman believes in his coach right because John Cooper if I'm not mistaken is the most tenured coach in the NHL I could be wrong about that I believe he's either the most tenured coach or very very close you can fact check me if you'd like but the point is is he's been there for a long time Steve Eiserman of course has moved on now to Detroit but now he has his guy he has his John Cooper and he and it's Jeff Blaschel and, you know, throughout the course of this season and maybe even last season, you were kind of thinking with every crushing loss that the Detroit Red Wings experienced, you'd be wondering, you know, is, is this the final straw? Is he going to be canned, you know, after this loss or next week? And it just never happened because Stevie Eiserman believes in his guy and, you know, power to him. There are no details, I don't think, at this point about the length of the extension, I would be surprised if it was, you know, five, six, seven years or anything like that. But I still think it's it's a step in the right direction for the organization because Steve Eiserman, he understands that Jeff Blashill simply doesn't have the tools in the toolbox. Right. So there's no point in in saying like, oh, well, you know, you finished 28th. We we thought you were going to finish 24th. So (laughs) you got to go. True. And just quickly on Seattle, uh, we breezed past. I wanted to ask you. Do you not think that, like, what do you think is more important? Constructing a roster and then bringing a coach in to coach the roster? Or do you want to bring a coach in and have his input on the roster? Yeah, yeah I, think the it's, latter. I think it's the latter. You want the coach's input on the roster. Um, I think that's the way you're seeing um, organizations function more now and now. I mean, just you can tell by reading, for example, the uh, the comments by Keith and Dubis that there's a lot of heavy involvement in scouting. Who are we going to sign? Who right. are we going to trade for? Um, so I think it's very important that the coach is there to help with the player assessment. Um, you know, he's already got to be dreaming up line combinations probably when they're starting to uh, make those picks. So yeah, I true. think it's important to have that in place. And just also as a, a fun- functioning organization to have the coach calling these guys right away, <laughs> greeting them, you know, getting to know them right off the hop instead of these guys coming in and be like, all right, well, who's our coach going to be? Yeah. Oh, shit, it's Torts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I was so excited and now I'm not yeah, so excited. Yeah, no, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, good point. Good point. All right, my friend, we got about 10, 15, maybe 10. No, closer to 15 uh, until we bring Mr. Hendrick in. So you want to talk about the playoffs, the first Absolutely. couple of days of the playoffs. Absolutely. It's been fantastic. I, I, wait, are you sure about that, though, or do you want to talk about Calgary and Vancouver? Uh, well, you know, they are playing right now. They're playing right now. Is that right? They're we should probably right turn the podcast off and go watch. Maybe we should watch. <laughs> it, could be, it could be important. All right, we beat them down for too long. Yeah. Yes, of course, the regular season is still it's ongoing. It's not their fault. It's the it's NHL's not their fault. fault. It's embarrassing. 
the North Division playoff should be underway. I think it goes without saying. Everybody knows it. I don't care if Calgary has to play 10 more games and Vancouver has 20 more games. The North Division playoffs should be happening right now. Is that a bit of a momentum kill for the Leafs and the not other teams? Not a chance. No, I don't know. Not a chance. No, I don't think so. I think, if anything, it's a, it's a good way to settle in, watch the other series, watch the opening games, and, and, and feel like the playoffs are upon Maybe you. Maybe get a little amped up. Get a little amped up. Like, the playoffs are upon you instead of you're the opening night act. You're the first puck drop, and everyone is watching you. Not that that really matters, but I think mentally it would play into effect at some point. Like, we just finished our regular season on Saturday, let's say, and now we're playing game one on Tuesday. Yeah. It's only a couple days. I'm still in the regular season mode. I still want to have popcorn. No, it's playoff time. It's work. It's grind. It's sleep. It's get rest. Like it's yeah. a totally different. It's what animal. you've been working for all year, and and you got to think guys are dialed in. And man, dude, like, is there anything better than the first round of the NHL playoffs? That's oh, so good because anything can happen, and everyone's playing because they know that anything can happen, and anyone can win in any given night. Yes, and like. It's just great to see the guys lying on the line. Like the physicality is just off the charts right now. Oh, it's wild. And you got to think too for the. I know it was a condensed schedule this year, but with the amount of games that were played compared to you know playing a full eighty-two and then playoffs, like these guys are you know probably in in a little bit better shape, have a little more energy than they would have after playing a full eighty-two. And I think it showed a little bit, man. That Tampa-Florida game oh. was off the charts. Oh, my God. Best game. Best game I've seen in two years. Like, it looked like they, that was a game seven or something like that. <laughs> That's what I they said. They were killing each other out there. It was amazing. And I, I spot-watched the other games, including, you know, opening night, Boston-Washington. I wasn't able to tune in with all of my, you know, uh, intent or whatever. I can't think of the goddamn word. But anyways, the, the Carolina-Tampa game, was the first game that I watched, or excuse me, Florida-Tampa yeah. is what I meant. The Florida-Tampa game was the first game that I like sat down, I had a drink, I had a snack, and I had it on the TV, and I wasn't going anywhere. And am I ever glad that that was the game I chose to do that for? Because going into these playoffs, when I looked at the series, this was the game that I had pegged going seven, this, or a series. This was the series that I had pegged going seven games. This is the series that I had pegged for an upset because everyone wants to pick Tampa mm -hmm. and I have Florida. Interesting. And it was just that series that I was like, obviously other than the Leafs, like I'm a Leaf fan. So obviously other than the Leafs, this was the series that was going to get my, my yeah. full attention. And it did not disappoint in game one. And think about how great it is for the Florida Panthers. I mean, they were able to get fans in that building, probably about their average number of fans that they were having previous to the <laughs> pandemic. Ooh, but this Bazinga. this for like um, the, the rivalry, there's a rivalry that hasn't been alive in forever, much like the Toronto-Montreal rivalry has not existed in a long time because Florida's been relatively, uh, you know, just irrelevant, the, irrelevant. <laughs> exactly for, you know, that, that, it's it's just great to see. I know that um, you know everyone kind of slept on them this year. Uh, we might have talked about them in the preseason, being like, "Is this the year that Florida turns a corner?" And they definitely have. And you know, I it was funny because I tuned in the third period, and by all accounts, I missed a great first forty. Oh, but that I I put that game on to go to sleep to, <laughs> and that wasn't happening. It was just electric, <laughs> wide course, eyed. When I saw that they were down two fourth there, I'm like, "Tampa's coming back." And sure enough, it was off a. It was off a couple of penalties there that they were oh, able to man. do it. But um, That's man, Sam that, Bennett. that pass by Jonathan Huberdeau 
when he uh, when he cut in front of the net and then just basically made what he looked and then he made a no look hook little hook pass back to the guy wide open in front of the net like that was just awesome and and see the fans cheering and and Florida fans if you've stuck through them for all these years then and you deserve these kind of moments so it's yeah, it's pretty cool point. to see yeah good point and I'll tell you man like Florida is a unit. Like, I, I understand that Tampa's getting Cooch back and they got Stamkos coming back well, as well. That's really what stole the show, I mean. Yeah. Kucherov, and I, like... I completely understand and appreciate that fact. Like, I know that they're getting better. And I understand that, you know, while, Can- while uh, Carolina finished ahead and Florida was right there as well, it, 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 it doesn't mean that it's a given that Tampa's just going to win. Because they're getting Cooch back. Like, he was a big factor, but they still only barely won. And I know a win is a win is a win, okay? But my point is, if Sam Bennett doesn't skate all the way from... Oh. from I skated from Georgia you know. to South Beach to deliver the most ridiculously egregious, egregious hit, hit from, from behind, behind like, on my brother from another mother, I, Blake Coleman. Uh, yeah, I, They don't honestly, lose that game, I don't think. No. I'm telling you, I don't think they lose the game. It changed the game for them. It was the wrong time for a retaliatory hit because obviously they was retaliating for the play on Barkov right. earlier in the game. Yeah, the blindside hit. But holy crap, man. Like I, I do, I've done that before. Oh, I, I did that in minor hockey. I've seen I've it. I've run a guy from blue line in like that, and it was exactly that. <laughs> Fuck this guy. I hate this guy. I'm drilling him. I'm drilling him. I don't care if it's numbers. I don't care if he turns around. I'm drilling him. I'm drilling him. And I've had to answer the bell for it too, but like this, I knew exactly what was going through his head there, and it was like, I'm crushing this guy no matter, no matter what. what. And it was, just, it was just terrible because when, when, he, when he made the play, immediately I said, well, he's gone. Yeah. Like that, He's got to be gone for the game. Yeah. And we'll, I'm, I'm sure we're going to jump into the officiating very shortly here as well. But, like, they, don't, they only give him a two. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That's a playoff call right there. How is that only a two? That's th- third period in the playoffs, right? I guess. Like our, and I think they even call it – did they even call it boarding? I think they call it charging. Charging, charging yeah. Well, it was charging. Which is either or boarding. It was either or. That's right. But, yeah. I mean, you know, I heard someone say on the radio after the game, I thought it was an interesting point. Like maybe the NHL needs to consider some revised criteria for penalty minutes. As in you get your minor for a two, you get your major in a game misconduct as a five. But, you know, maybe we can start handing out more double minors so that you can so that you can penalize the team more. Like this is worse than two minutes. Yeah, it's worse than two it's minutes. It's not two minutes well worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's worse than two minutes, but we... We really don't want to eject you from the hockey game. Even still, like I, that could have been. It's interesting because they don't treat hitting from behind like they do at every every other level of hockey. That's right. Like I guess pretty much junior and above. Well, they don't have stop signs you know, on they, their they, jerseys. Well, they don't have stop signs. They don't call. <laughs> they you know they don't call CFBs. It's not it's not a thing. Like whereas in minor hockey. Checking from high is automatic suspension, automatic out of the game. Whereas in the NHL, it's like, ah, two minutes for boarding. Yeah. Two minutes for charging. And in minor hockey, they'll even call the CFB like an open ice. Oh, yeah. Which really, it was just a cross-check. Like, I cross-checked yeah, them yeah. from behind. But, and you're kicking me out of the game now because I cross-checked them from behind? Because that's a dangerous right. play, right? Like, I know he kind of sandwiched him in the board. It's not like he sent him tumbling head first or anything. Yeah, if he was four feet away from the board, oh, he, well, he could be paralyzed. Well, yeah, like, then, it, then we're know? probably talking more serious discipline. And But I don't think like Bennett that. makes that hit if Coleman 
is in that dangerous area. Right. If you understand you what I'm saying. You think he's smart enough at that point, knowing, okay. I'm just going to smush him. I'm going to crunch him up against yeah, I'm the gonna crunch I'm him. I'm not going to ruin his career. I might break bit. his nose. Right, and everyone's right. going to lose their minds because he broke his nose. But, like, relax. You know, we're talking about, you know, well, we laughed about the other week about the Department of Player Safety, you know. like, yeah. Well, that is... That's calling into question the safety of Blake Coleman. That mm-hmm. massive hit from behind from Sam Bennett, that is calling into the safety uh, of Blake Coleman. So, you know, they don't even look at it. They give him the two. They score. Uh, actually, excuse me, they do end up suspending him for one game, and he'll miss tonight's game. So, you know, he gets suspended, and he loses the game for his team. Like, when that happened, before Tampa even scored, I texted my group chat, and I said, tonight's going to be a long night. For Sam Bennett. Oh, yeah. Because Tampa's going to score, and then they're going to win this game, and it's going to be because of that hit, even though you can't scientifically yeah. prove it. Especially and then he got suspended, a, too. He's a uh, deadline acquisition, too. So he's not like, you know, he's not right in with the boys. Like yeah. He's kind of just working his way in there, making his impression. He's only been there for a few weeks at this point, and then he goes and does something like that. That's a tough one to swallow. It's true. He's not Nazem Kadri. Yeah. Our boy. Our boy, Getting yeah. suspended for Jake DeBrusque, yeah. right? It's it's Sam Bennett, the new guy the with new the massive guy. mustache. Uh, thanks, Sam. Yeah, thanks you know? for coming out. But, uh, I mean, good teams, they, they'll move on. They shake that off, and you got to keep the, put the team ahead of – you know, any any sort of individual crap there. Must, so. must win tonight Oh, uh, for Florida? Yeah, I think so, just because it, the juggernaut that Tampa is. Coming back from 0-2 against Tampa, that's that's a tall order. On the road as well. Yeah, no kidding. And and just with the way you got to deal with Vasilevsky, you got to deal with Tampa, uh, you know, throwing a credible amount of depth at you. And, you know, if they're going to win, have a shot at winning a game, they're going to have to find a way to put a lid on Kucherov. I don't know if anyone can do it. Because if anyone thought that there's going to be a little rust on Kucherov, he hasn't played all year, he's coming off an injury, man, he looked ready. He's been ready since December. Probably, probably. <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation about cap circumvention, which right. I will. I don't think we'll get too heavily into because it's a pretty thick topic, and I believe our Maple Leafs have done something quite similar Given uh, the yeah, man, we can't throw stones. We can't. We can't really throw stones there. We live. In the I, glass I totally house. get it. I totally get what they're doing because I've seen the Maple Leafs do it, and and this year included, they've basically done it. Yeah, but I don't know why people are angry about it. It's in the rules. Yeah, I, I guess because it's an exploitation, and it is. It's not available to everyone unless they want to bankroll it. Oh, right. Because you have to still have to be able to afford to pay guys that amount of oh, money. Oh, pay the player. You know, like his they're like salary. I think they're they're like a ninety-two million or something like that. They're way over the salary cap. Right. So you have to be willing to pay that money to do it. So it is an advantage for the richer of the teams or the teams who are willing. Yeah, have but the come on, cash there's spend. only a handful of teams that wouldn't either like, well, any, couldn't afford it or wouldn't. Any that's a team big that knew too. how to do the cap fandangling would definitely take advantage of this loophole. So, hey, is it something the NHL might close eventually? Possibly. Maybe. I mean, we just renewed the CBA, so I don't think it's a conversation we'll be having anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, fuck. You know, I got to give credit to Tampa because not only did they play the whole year without Kucherov, most of the year without Stamkos, they still managed to finish near top of the league, and they have got their, you know, arguably two of their best offensive weapons well-rested, ready to go. For the playoff run, geez, like that's a. I there's just so many so many aspects to what they've done there 
that have made them an even f- more of a force in the playoffs, I think, more of a contender than, say, if those guys played all season and were a little beat up. Right. And, yet, you know, on the other side of the ice, you got a few question marks too, right? Like, obviously, with the Bennett being sus- Bennett's suspension for one game. It's only one game, but he'll miss tonight. Uh, on the back end, you know, Norris caliber season from Aaron Ekblad goes down for the entire season like that. You know, obviously they got Huberto, they got Barkov, but I mean, Ekblad might be their most important player. Right. They lose Ekblad, the, all they did was dial it up and yeah. become even better. Thank and then God you get, they got then, Keith Yandel back there because he's been the Iron Man. Yeah. He's and then been you unreal. go back into the crease. All right. Who the hell's playing tonight? They got Dreger. Okay. Like Bob wasn't bad. You never want to give up five goals, but I don't think he was bad. So. A lot of people thought maybe they'd go back to Bob and, okay, if he loses game two, now we have to switch it up. Yeah. No, they're going to Dreger tonight. Now, Dreger played great all season long. Talk about a short leash. I mean, Dreger gave himself the opportunity to shorten Bobrovsky's leash and give himself an opportunity to play in these playoffs. And it just tells Bob, like, hey, we we need you to be better. That's it. It's true, man. And, like, what if Dreger doesn't play very well tonight? Do they go back to Bob or do they start – Spencer Knight in game three. Ooh, that's a good one. If they're down 0-2, it's like, why not? Why not? But you know what you got, and you're also paying Bobrovsky a lot of money to not start him. So I guess. I mean, they gave Spencer Knight a look. He's obviously the future of that team. I he know was they, good when he played, I know they too. they got Bobrovsky under a long fucking contract and all that, but it sounds like they got backup plans. But that's a, that's a tough one. I, I guess anything wouldn't surprise me. And this year has been so weird, and we've seen a lot of teams roll with three tendies like Carolina did most of the year. Right. So it's like... Another interesting one it, with it Nedeljkovic keeps, getting yeah, the start. It, it keeps things real fresh, and, and I'm not that surprised that Nedeljkovic is getting a start tonight because I think he's earned it. Yeah. And, you know, if anything, if I've learned anything through the first couple of games here... Uh, in these 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs, it's that if you are running a fantasy pool and you are not choosing team goalies, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're out. You're doing it wrong. You you can't force your 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 participants to choose Alex Nedeljkovic when you know that it's extremely likely likely that Peter Mrazek is going to come in. And then all of a sudden, Peter Mrazek comes in, gets two shutouts in a row, and goes on a run to the conference finals. That's not fair. Like, I chose the guy I thought was going to start because I wanted Carolina. So just a little rant, side note, if you're running pools in the future, please switch it. If, you're, if your participants are, are you know, chirping at you, listen to them. You cannot do individual goalies. You got to do team goalies. That way, it's just it's just fun, no matter who plays. Yeah. A uh, couple other notes I did want to touch on very quickly. If we have a moment, do we have a moment here? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. we got another okay. five. I would say um, Craig Anderson starting for Washington Capitals. Oh, that's, huge respect. That's pretty awesome. Played solid, just as Craig Anderson has done throughout his pretty much his entirety of his career. He made forty plus um, saves. I thought he was a real smart pickup by him. Uh, whenever they did run into some goaltending issues, and and man, it paid off for them already. I think he not only did he help them win that first game, but he definitely uh, played solid enough. I think to even earn an additional start. But it sounds like uh, their other goaltender, uh, his name is Samsonov. Right Samsonov is traveling with the team to Boston, so we could see him start. Yeah, both him and. Kuznetsov are traveling to Boston coming off of COVID protocol. Right. While Kuznetsov was for sure on COVID protocol, Samsonov was like out fifth time with, this with an undisclosed medical concern. Oh, interesting. 
All right. Well, uh, two other things I want to touch on uh, from the Colorado-St. Louis game, which was a hell of a hockey game. Um, that Landeskog, Braden Shen fight. Oh, that was huge. Fierce. That was huge. I haven't seen a fight like that in a while. Gordy like, hat trick. From two guys, like, I know Shen can throw him, and I know Landeskog is no slouch. He's he's a tough, like, a sneaky tough guy, right? You, you know, think, like, Swedish guy, whatever, not, you know, not some kind of beast or something. But, man, he, he went at Shen hard. Like, that was... That was pretty intense, and that's just that playoff intensity right there. Game one off the start, setting the tone. Like, you got to respond to everything. If there's any of the series, including Carolina and Nashville, uh, based on what I saw. Now, I went to bed a little earlier, so I only saw the the first, you know, portions of of that game. I didn't see the whole thing. But from what I saw so far, outside of Carolina and Nashville, I just, like, is St. Louis even going to win a game? It it's pretty tough. I mean, Colorado's the favorite, right? The I mean, they are right a now. unit. Yeah, they are. They are well built. I mean, uh, there's not enough good things we can say about the Colorado Avalanche right now. Um, they are dialed in for a long run. You got to think, and it's not just on the back of McKinnick. That team has just gotten stronger, deeper, and surprisingly younger yes. <laughs> throughout the last couple of years. It's so right? True. So it's, it's so true. I wouldn't want to face them. And the one other point I wanted to make from that game is that I'm getting real tired of Jordan Bennington and his fake tough Outrage. guy puffing up his chest crap. Hold skating me down back. the ice. Hold me skating back. Skating down the ice like he's going to do something. Like, eventually, somebody's going to get a hold of that guy and tee off. I hope, he, I hope he can back his shit up because that guy stirs up a lot of crap out there. And the, the whole, like, him raging out and skating down the ice like he was going to do something. Like, he wasn't going to do anything. No. It was like, very evident he wasn't going to do anything. I can kind of see, like, where it started, right? Because Grubauer was yeah. mixing it up. and But uh, he skated down so fast. Like, you know, usually they skate to the red line. They're like, oh, do I got to go? Uh, Should I go? Are we going? Bainton <laughs> skated down there like he was ready to, to jump in there a la friggin' uh, Hextall or something yeah. like that. And then he's know? grabbing the ref's arm and putting yeah, it. Hey, yeah. hold me back, ref. Hold me back. I'm going to get this he's guy. He's putting on a show. I get it. I, like, I enjoyed the entertainment, but... He's been doing stuff like that for so long, and I just—he just seems like the type of guy who talks uh, talked a ton of shit in his whole life and never had the wheels beat off. Never him. backed it up. Yeah, never had the wheels beat <laughs> off him. I love it. Well, that series is still young, my friend. So That's right. It may—you uh, may get your wish before yeah, too long. We'll see. All right, uh, we ready to bring Paul in? Oh hell yeah! Okay, all right. We'll give Paul Hendrick a call. We'll bring him in here real quick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so our next guest needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyways. Uh, he especially needs no introduction, Lesko, if you're a Leaf fan. Uh, former longtime Leafs TV host, legend in the industry of sports and hockey broadcasting, the one, the only, Mr. Paul Hendrick, joins the Pucks in Deep podcast here today on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Paul, Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're probably a busy guy getting lots of golf in and doing some podcasting on your own side. Of course, you host the first question. And uh, thanks again for joining us here, Paul. Well, thank you. And first of all, we are in Ontario, so you know we're not golfing, and that's so ridiculous. Uh, But I did just do uh, my 2.7-kilometer climb up a hill near Collingwood here and have just finished it. So it's near a golf course, so I think that counts for some. Wow, my goodness. And you still have enough breath left to join us on the Pucks and D podcast, Paul, after your hike? Yeah. 
Uh, believe me, it's 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 a it's a walk up a gravel road, but it's just cardio wise, and uh, I've got my Strava going all the time, so I keep pushing myself day after day. But uh, it's something I try to do at least from that perspective four times a week. And when the golf clubs open up, you're not going to find me in one. I used to golf. I just I just I find it a complete waste of time. But for those who are not getting to do it right now, I'm really sorry for them because I think they should be out on the golf course. Well said. Yeah, I'm sure we'd all love to be out there right now, but at least you got outside yeah. to enjoy some weather. Um, that's one of the first questions we actually wanted to ask you. Um, I know you, you had decided to leave MLSE to spend a bit more time with your family. So aside from the first question podcast, what else have you been doing with your free time? Uh, you know what? Uh, we've had a couple of opportunities to uh, travel out west to see my daughter, which has been fantastic. And other than that, we've been close to home. Uh, just, uh, you know, we got our shots. My wife is uh, fully vaccinated. I'm waiting for my second shot. Uh, and just uh, spending time uh, just a little bit north of Toronto in the greater Collingwood area, uh, just, just doing what we do. But, uh, you know, uh, that podcast takes a lot of time and, and a lot of work. And it takes up a good chunk of my week. We're, we're on a pace of one a week. And this has been going since the first week of October and to sit down uh, and, and investigate and talk with somebody, you've got to do your homework. And that, that takes a good six to 10 hours a week, even before I get to sit down and, and turn that microphone on. So that's pretty much it. Um, I'm looking forward to this pandemic uh, leaving us. And it looks like we, you know, we're approaching that point in time and, and just getting an opportunity to, to travel and uh, do a little more traveling than we've done. But other than that, and, and you know what? I've been watching Toronto Maple Leaf hockey. Uh, I think I missed one game, and that was flying out west. I missed uh, da, 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 was a game in Winnipeg. Other than that, I've watched every one. Uh, they've been extremely, extremely entertaining to watch, and I, I can't wait to uh, see how this uh, postseason unfolds because, as I thought in December before the season started, uh, that the team – as it currently stood with the young guys, with the experience they had, uh, that this was a club that was capable of, of going some distance. Now we'll get a chance to see just how far, uh, but so far so good. Uh, Kyle Dubas and, and Sheldon Keefe have done a terrific job with this group. Yeah, you know what, Paul? It must have been a difficult decision for you to leave the team in a moment or an era, might I say, when you know the the current status of the team, the state, the roster, the hype, I don't think it's ever been better. I mean, you like it, for me, it's never been better. You've got more experience behind the team, Paul, and following the team. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit, throwing back to your early days when you first got into the broadcasting world and how that all worked out for you and how you knew that this was what you wanted to do. And, you know, like I said originally, it's a difficult time to say, I'm going to hang up my hat. I've had a great career and you guys go win one and I'll watch it from home instead. Well, you say goodbye at some point. That happens to, to all of us. And I know, you, uh, but to get from where you are to where I am, and believe me, Johnny, is that, especially when you stay busy. But uh, initially I thought I was going to go to law. Uh, it didn't happen. I joined I got a degree. Uh, but my heart wasn't into that, and it always was uh, to get into broadcasting. And and uh, I, I left U of T, applied to Ryerson, actually was admitted. Um, but uh, at the interview process, they said, why do you want to spend another four years after you've already spent four years uh, in, in university? And he said, go, go get some experience somewhere uh, or go take a shorter course. And I ended up going to this course called Career Canada on 
just across from St. Michael's Hospital. It was six months. I was there for six weeks uh, before I got myself a job up in Sault Ste. Marie at CKCY TV and radio. And uh, there for a little over two years, two years, three months, got to cover the Greyhounds. And uh, that was uh, tremendous after a year in news, a year in sports before Dick Beddoes hired me at CHCH in Hamilton. And then uh, after that, it was uh, a chance to come to Toronto to cover the Maple Police for 25 years. So just like that, there's a career all done. But what an experience. So many people uh, got to call university football uh, every Saturday on CHCH, university basketball, all sorts of offsa athletics. Uh, I can I can go on and on, uh, but the ability to meet all sorts of people, whether famous or not so famous, meant so much to me. And and I look back on on a career that was more than fulfilling. Would I like to be a part of this right now? Part of me is yes. The other part of me is I don't necessarily miss the grind of of flying as much as we did, or going down to the rink six days out of seven. Right. As much as I loved it. Um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. And in the time last summer, July 15th, when, when I hit the send button on Twitter to say uh, I was done, I knew in my heart it was the right thing to do, um, you know, and, and, and hang out with my wife, who's been through some tough, tough times the last six years, but is doing well. And uh, I want to enjoy that time with her. Uh, I've spent eight and a half years of our marriage, the last 25 years of it anyway, uh, on the road and away. And at some point in time, you got to walk away. So if it means watching the Leafs win a Stanley Cup on television this year, Yahoo, I'm all for it. Would I like to have been there? Damn right. But I'm, I'm happy with the choice I made. Well, that's great, Paul. And congratulations. You know, and one thing that I, I really wanted to, to point out to you was even myself uh, growing up, you know, and Lesko, my co-host, is uh, a year younger than, than myself. So we're very close in age, uh, mid-30s. And, you know, when, when we were growing up and we would, you know, throw our Leaf jerseys on and get ready for the game. And back when the Leaf games, you know, we had Leafs TV. And I think, Adam, you had Leafs TV. Yep. My parents wouldn't spring for it, but you had Leafs TV on your programming. So I couldn't wait to go watch the, the pregames. And that's kind of my first introduction to the production aspect of a mm-hmm. hockey game not just watching the game and cheering for the players but actually getting involved hearing backstories and paul you talked about homework the, those monologues that you used to deliver just mm. prior to each and every game I, I really wanted to thank you for those because as oh, a, as you. a yeah as a leaf fan it was something that i i, I really loved and I, I almost just couldn't wait for 6.30 or 7 o'clock, depending on the game yeah. time, when it would open up and it would be you. Well, here in Toronto, and it was just the greatest. So I, I, I thought that was wow. great, Paul. I really wanted to thank you for those and congratulate you on a, on a great career. Well, thank you. And those were so much work. Oh, my God, they were so much work. <laughs> Sometimes they just flowed easily. Other times it took forever to write them. And I remember times on the road. I remember a night in Chicago where I woke up at four in the morning and all of a sudden that final sequence to the video I knew I was going to read to it just came out. I got out of bed and I wrote it down. It, it was it was a lot of work. So what would happen is our producer, Mark Askin, the night before, uh, sometimes earlier, which was not often the case. Uh, it, it, often it was late and, and there I was 11, beyond 11 o'clock at night, deadbeat tired 
writing to video that he gave me that was going to set the tone for the for the show that night and to try to come up with something interesting and it was like i remember where were we, we were in anaheim and paul korea was hurt and you know and i remember saying despite no korea there's still no lack of quack in the duck attack right and try <laughs> wow and 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 trying and and jonas jonas hogan put the onus on jonas uh, it, like there's there's a bunch of these sort of catchphrases that i i still recall and uh uh when they were able to come out and then at about 4 45 the night of the game we're doing our pre-production to be able to see that video for the first time and pound out what I'd written and hit it, bang, 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 because the timing is really uh, essential, and um, it was rewarding. Um, but I know when John Shannon took over, I forget what year it was, he said the teases are officially done. Uh, it was bittersweet, bitter than the fact that I enjoyed doing them, but sweet because they were so hard to do, and I was excited to move on and get away from it. But uh, to have you guys look back on that fondly and, and uh, applaud those, uh, it means a great deal to me. So thank you. Yeah, it means a lot to us. I mean, we, we grew up with guys like you, guys like Bowen, calling the Leaf games over the yeah. years and, and just your involvement. And, and you were everywhere. I mean, you were you were on the Sportsnet broadcast. I believe we saw you at TSN at one point or, or another. It just You seem to transcend the barriers that media folks have in the world of networking. But I want to take it back a little bit and just – I know you, I believe you started with the Leafs in the mid nineties. How did you go from, uh, you know, working locally in Hamilton to all of a sudden being the guy for, for Maple Leafs uh, broadcasts? Well, CHCH uh, uh, did have games every Wednesday night. And um, uh, I, for the two last two years of the contract uh, with Molson sports entertainment, CHCH's uh, contract, um, I was brought on to host. In fact, I wasn't the initial choice. Gord Stellick was, but uh, Phil LaChapelle, a uh, former producer of ours at CHCH, and now who produces all of the CBC Olympic shows that you see every Saturday afternoon uh, and is very big on, on what they do with amateur sport. Phil went up to uh, our, our president's office then and just said, why isn't Henny uh, in on this? Like, I mean, he's our face. I mean, with all due respect to Gord, and they agreed. So they went back to Canadian sports and uh, Molson sports and entertainment and just said, Hey, can we have two hosts? So Gordon and I co-hosted Gordon was in studio uh, for one of the years I was uh, on, on the, on the sidelines bench size. The next year I went into studio, Gord did the outside work. And then, um, and then of course, CATH's contract uh, was over and, there was no lease for either Gorda or I, but then an opening came up uh, that next season at Molson Sports and Entertainment, and um, Scott Oak uh, turned down the job. Scott Russell turned down the job, and I happened to be their third choice, uh, and I did not turn it down. And 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 uh, you know, a quarter century later, uh, there I was, and and now here we are talking about it. So that's it in a nutshell. But uh, what a great opportunity it was. I was scared to death uh, when I left my job after 17 years at Channel 11, but it was uh, a move I knew I had to make, and I was so grateful to get the opportunity. Well, third time's the charm. Isn't that what they say, Paul? Yeah, exactly. Right? Hey, hey, you know what? You don't, and, and I've joked with both Scots about this. I haven't seen either in a little while, but um, I, I've always thanked them for, for, for turning down the job. And, and you know, in terms of Scotty Oakey, he wanted to stay on the CBC Hockey Night in Canada side. 
rather than do just the midweek uh, regionals. And, 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 and Scotty Russell wanted to, uh, to stick with CBC and its Olympic coverage. And, and it's a move that has paid off exceptionally well for two really, really fine broadcasters. So here we are in, you know, approaching our mid sixties. Uh, those two guys are still at it and uh, I'm still doing a podcast and, and if things been a little different at home, uh, I'd still be, uh, be working as well. Um, but things are because of what they are. And, uh, and I think we can all look back on, on tremendous careers and, and know that we had a great deal of fun doing them and, and uh, the memories that, uh, boy, oh boy, I had no idea what I was in for, but I'm so glad I took the gamble and uh, it paid off, uh, very well in, in memories that uh, I'll cherish forever. Well, you mentioned being scared to death, Paul, and I kind of wanted to ask you one last question before we move away from your entrance into the industry. What what moment in earlier early on in your in your career would you say scared the you know what out of you? Well, you know, there's a couple of things. I think you know, not knowing Pat Burns very well. In fact, not knowing him as well, he was such an intimidating man. But you get to know the guy, and you realize he was such an outstanding person and such a gentleman. But when you're starting off, you want to make sure that you're asking an intelligent question. And, and it was a question I would have been thinking about the entire day, but as you get your confidence and you get moving along year after year, uh, it gets a bit easier, but uh, he, Pat scared me. And, and then I, I recall in 98 uh, in Chicago uh, around remembrance day and, and being hit hard with a, an influenza, not a flu bug, but an actual influenza. Um, my, I had strep throat. I had nothing. And, and, and trying to do an interview with Gary Volk, and I couldn't talk. It was like razor blades on each other. And and Volky just starts sort of standing there and smiling, knowing I was giving it my best. But you want to be healthy. You want to be good and sound great for every game. And 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 hockey fans should realize that not only the players who have to play hurt, but the broadcasters, they don't miss many games, and that's a credit to them. Uh, I know I got to do an NHL game for Joe Bowen in New York a few years ago, and he had a, a horrendous case of laryngitis after we did a game in Montreal. Um, Bonesy's missed a few games, but not many. And and to be as good and, and professional-sounding, despite not being totally uh, fit to do the game because you run to the weather at some point or another or several times because it's just a, a grind of a game every second day and all over North America. Um, anyway, not uh, not being able to fulfill my duties as well as I would have liked to that first November in 1998, uh, first Remembrance Day back then, I, I remember that going, good God, I got to get better. I got to get better. But as you know, these things take 10 days to two weeks and you're not on airplanes and all that and, and hanging right. around cold rinks. So I think a combination of, of just not being sick and, and Pat Burns initially were a couple of things that scared me. Well, I, you mentioned being scared, and I know sometimes in the heat of the moment, uh, things don't go exactly how you planned. Um, so I'm wondering, if the, was there any embarrassing moments that you, you care to share? Uh, maybe a bad question or, say, a, a negative response you didn't expect from an interviewee at any point? Well, I don't want to dwell on so much of that. I mean, I can think of something, and I will, but 
um, you know, for the most part, you know, you think 25 years of all those questions, you know, to pick on a, on a negative, because uh, what I prided myself in was my work, my research, my consistency, and and that's what enabled me to stay as long as I did. Um, but were there were there awkward moments? Without doubt, um, you're not going to run across a barnyard and 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 and, and uh, not end up with a bit of cow dung on your boots. It's just going, <laughs> it's going to happen, right? And I, I would think you know the most embarrassing situation and, and more more hurtful than embarrassing was just asking um, uh, Adam uh, 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 Raycroft on uh, um, uh, what's his name uh, goalie then for Andrew. us um, Andrew again thinking Adam got uh, Andrew Raycroft center ice after his name's first star just talking about the, the start to a season and eight victories and how important a change of scenery and 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 health. And, and health had meant to his turnabout. And he just looked at to me and just said, thanks for asking that again. This is to the house, to the nation, and just leaves me hanging there and just skated off. And I had no idea what he was talking about because I'd never asked him about it. Right. And, oh. and, and uh, Lisa said the next day off, and I confronted him. It was a Monday night game. I confronted him on the Wednesday and asked him what in God's name was he thinking, and um, and he he apologized, but I'll take that and ten cents and try to buy myself a cup of coffee, and it won't happen. <laughs> right. Um, it like it was just to be blunt, an asshole move, but that's okay. Um, we all we all aren't perfect all of the time, and 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 he may have thought I'd asked him something that I didn't ask him. I don't know what it was, but he couldn't explain it to me. But it was an uncomfortable, uncomfortable situation. But it didn't kill me. Um, it's just just par for the course and something uh, that you've got to expect. And because I've been in a lot of scrums and not everybody's going to like the questions you've asked or the way you've asked them. And and you've just got to put up with that. And, and you know, for for those who like to comment under alias aliases on, on Twitter and, and whatnot and have never been in that situation, Either A, shut the hell up, or B, try to do what we do on a regular basis with these guys over the course of eight to nine months and 82-plus games, and let's see how well you can do it because it's not an easy job. No, and they're definitely not going to get off the couch and do it, Paul. So I think it's the former rather than the latter, and we'll just ask yeah. them to shut their yaps and move along. And, you know, as it comes to, uh, as it relates to Andrew Raycroft, I think you can just chalk that one up to the fact that goalies are a weird breed, Paul. I mean, you know that, right? I'm sure you've had lots of yeah. run-ins with a few goalies before. And, you know, sometimes nope. I feel like maybe they're just, uh, you know, not feeling it that day, and, and that's just the way it is. And, like, like you said, you're a man of your of your homework and your dedication. You know, so at the end of the day, you, you don't you don't particularly enjoy that experience, but you're going to take it. You're going to learn from it and move right along. Yeah, goalies are a different bunch, but nothing like what Andrew Raycroft did. So that to me is out on an island. Uh, uh, some of the goaltenders are some some of the nicest people I've met: James Reimer, Kujo, uh, Eddie Belfour. Uh, I, I can I can go on and on. Um, ben Scrivens, like really com- nice, good, solid people. Um, Carrie Price in Montreal. These were all very good people. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I you know what the, the Raycroft thing that's come and gone. You asked me about an embarrassing moment. I told you guys about it, but I, that was the only time that's ever happened to me in my career. 
Well, we appreciate you answering that question honestly, and it, and uh, it's interesting because it, it feels like something that I would remember, um, you know, just given the, the gravity of such a moment, and I imagine maybe perhaps somebody else asked him about the same thing earlier, and maybe he just yeah. wasn't feeling it that day. Um, I guess. I guess moving on here, um, since you were an employee of MLSE, um, I imagine you had better access and, and had the opportunity to develop better relationships with the players. Um, is that something that, that you had maybe as opposed to the traditional beat reporter? And, and how did that help you, you know, hone your craft and, and bring out the best uh, in the interview subjects that you had? Well, we, we obviously had closer proximity to those guys. We flew with them, at least in my career, for 17 of my 25 years. So, you know, you're, you're, you're lining up to go on buses, airplanes, um, all of these things. And, and it's not like we went out for dinner or anything like that, but there was always an opportunity to, you know, for a long flight to be able to talk with a few of the guys that if they decided to, but we, for the most part, kept arm's length. Uh, that was always a, a respectful approach. I thought with the players and, um, and, and, and went from there. Um, but yeah, being there every day, there was always a chance to sit down uh, to talk with the guys, maybe, get more of a story, get to know them a lot better. Um, this current regime, it's not quite that uh, approachable, obviously, uh, because of the pandemic. Um, Zoom has been uh, the next best way to get to know these guys. And, of course, you can't get to know these guys via Zoom. So the, the, the way the business was covered compared to the days of beat writers and and team, team employees who – who got to, to to be with the club day in, day out, uh, it's changed drastically. And I think it's going to change drastically forever. It will never be the same. Uh, and, and, and the players probably, you know, who are under the gun and the microscope for the most part, might not, manage, uh, might not mind it as well uh, as it was because it was getting crazy. I, I remember games like Monday games in, in the hallways outside uh, the Leaf dressing room or in the room or down the visitor's hallway, jammed, packed, solid. Because when I started in the mid-90s, you had CFTO, you had CBLT, uh, you had Global, uh, you had us, you had CHCH and, and a few others, but that was it. There, there might have been between TV and newspaper and radio, <laughs> excuse me, maybe about 10, 10 people max, Um now it's it's 20 30 minimum and mm -hmm. and so uh, it was a lot different then and i think you had a better chance to get to talk to the players and and uh and get to talk with them on, on a on a different basis uh than you do now it's it's not more arm's length now it's it's a broom handle and an axe handle and right. a hockey stick long you know it's 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 just not the same so the ability to story tell, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is not as open. You've got to work harder for that. And the players are a lot more protected than they used to be. But, you know, given social media and, and the ramifications that go with it, I can't blame them if they don't mind uh, if there's less media in there and, and bloggers and, and all that goes with it. Yeah, it definitely seems a lot more formal these days than in previous years. Like you just mentioned, you used to be able to travel with the team, fly with the team. 
you know, perhaps you're just talking to the player off the record. You're just Paul Hendrick talking to the player. Yeah, you're not, a relationship. Yeah, you're not getting a quote, yeah. you know. And I kind of wanted to ask you a two-parter, Paul. I don't want to put you on the spot here or anything. But uh, you, you mentioned storytelling. I was hoping maybe you may have a great story for us from the times when you were covering the team and it wasn't necessarily for over the course of your job. Like maybe you were just discussing something with a player. And the second part of the question would be, if you can't think of anything off the top of your head, I was hoping you might be able to offer up to us in your opinion, through the through the course of your career, the most interesting Toronto Maple Leaf that you got to deal with? Wow, that's on the spot. Um, there's so many great, great players. That, you know, coaches as well. Pat Quinn, top of my list. Paul Maurice is right there as well. Ronnie Wilson was another good, is a good friend. I don't see, we don't see him anymore, but <clears throat> these were, coaches that confided in us um, but it took a while to gain their trust uh, and because they just didn't know us uh, but once they did uh, and, uh, being allowed into that inner circle was certainly certainly great um, yeah I'm just trying to think of players I boy oh boy you know I'm going over 25 years um, <laughs> certainly there's got to be one Paul <laughs> there's lots to scan there <laughs> lots to digest you know guys I t- I'll tell you I totally respected just totally totally respected and knew if you were going to ask them a question you were going to get an answer Steve Thomas Alan McCauley Tom Fitzgerald Luke Shen um, those are just a few of the guys that you knew straight up uh, carried their hearts on their sleeves were absolutely trustworthy, capital T, capital P, perfect people, and fabulous hockey players. Uh, they, to me, just stand out. And and to this day, when we get a chance to run into them, uh, wherever it may be, I remember flying home uh, from the Dominican, uh, a, a quick all-star break, and Alan McCauley was boarding a flight with myself. Uh, and What in God's name are you doing here? He was getting ready to fly to the World Junior Tournament in Vancouver. I was flying home and with my family, and his family was staying down on the DR. But it was just, you know, you, you just run into these guys, and it's an opportunity to talk, hear about other players, hear about other organizations and, and how they're how they look at our players, and and not giving any secrets away, this all would stay between the two of us. Um, and, and and just being able to get a better understanding as to how the league is going on and what they've seen around the league. And, hey, what do you think of this guy and this guy? And um, it was always good to run into these guys because uh, as true blue as they were as players, uh, they've since gone on Allen into scouting. Uh, Fitzy, of course, management with the Devils, Oregon. No, he's with Pittsburgh now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just good people. Luke Shen won a Stanley Cup last year. I just had Stumpy on my podcast last week. In fact, it it, it goes down tomorrow. Amazing. He's just he. Yeah, and I I remember he was always there. I remember a, a stretch where he was like goalless, and it had to be almost seventeen games, if you can believe a guy who was that good. But Stumpy was straight up, uh, you know, in terms of self-criticism, what he had to do, how hard he had to work. They're just guys that stand out in my mind. Uh, Those are just a few of the names. I'll tell you a funny story, and it's Joe Bowen. And we were at a a, a Jays exhibition game in Dunedin a couple of days between games down uh, in Tampa. And uh, 
anyway, we're watching the Boston Red Sox play in seventh inning, and, uh, and the Red Sox uh, bringing a pinch hitter, and the announcer goes, pinch hitting for the Boston Red Sox, Lars Anderson. And Joe, in loud Joe voice, goes, who would name their kid Lars? Well, two people right in front of us turn around and say, we would. He's our son. Oh, we no. <laughs> We, we they just flown in from Sacramento, and we were doubling over with laughter. Joe, of course, was eight shades of crimson. My dad was with us. My late father, great baseball fan. He had the baseball diagnostic. And uh, but it was kind of neat. Who would name their kid Lars? And you know, good question. Who would name their kid Lars? Well, this Danish couple who lived in Sacramento, California, would. And they literally, I mean, literally, were sitting right in front of us. We were three rows up from the, uh, from the, uh, I guess that's, I'm just trying to think of Dunedin now, the visiting team dugout. So, yeah, for the Red Sox. And anyway, there's a couple of stories. But some guys who really come to mind, you know, the Schenner and, 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 and uh, Fitzy and Alan McCauley and Stumpy, those guys stand out in my mind. And I, I'm missing a whole bunch, but, uh, you know, Matt Stajan as well. And then uh, on top, and John Michael Lyles, like I can go on and on. Um, but the Bonesy story uh, just coming to mind, who would name their kid Lars? So to the day, whenever we see each other and like, who would name their kid Lars? We just start laughing. It's hard we'll to imagine laughing. It's hard to imagine that uh, any moment in time where, where a guy like Joe Bowen might get himself into trouble with what he had to say. Uh, <laughs> Scotty McKay, former equipment uh, guy with the lease, once said, you can hear Joe write out his name on a cocktail napkin. Joe's, <laughs> Joe's a big presence, especially vocally, and uh, and uh, he's 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 outstanding. He's the voice of the Leafs. I I, I love listening to him call our games. Um, but every now and then, as we're all apt to do, you stick a foot in the mouth, and uh, Joe in that particular moment certainly did. But no one would have predicted that Lars's mom and dad would be sitting right in front of us. Well, he's boisterous and he's vocal. We've been hounding him. I've been hounding him on Twitter to join our podcast, Henny. Maybe you can toss a good word in for us there. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I stay right out of that stuff. I stay right out of that. But maybe he'll, he might. He might at one point. I'll see if I can give you a plug. Hey, no, that's great. Thanks a lot, Henny. And you know what? I, honestly, it's it's one of those things where you know people have said to me and, and Lesko over the course of our three short years, we've had lots of guests – I'm not sure if you if you look through our episode list at all, but you know we've had former Leaf Luca Caputi, we've had Matthew Barnaby, uh, we've been lucky enough yep. to have a, a few um, you know Sportsnet contributors, Nick Alberga, Luke Fox, as well as some serious XM uh, NHL Network radio hosts, Jake Hahn and Tyler Madras. And everyone will always yep. say, "How do you get these guys?" You know, and I said, "I ask." Shoot your shot. <laughs> That's all I do is I ask. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy booking shows. I know for a fact, and um, it's uh, no. I've had Ken Dryden on. I, 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 I've had Brent Urban now with the Dallas Cowboys on. He went. He went to my high school. Oh wow! Uh, certainly, well after I did. But um, I, I just had a couple of Olympic kayakers, Maddie Schmidt, trying to branch off, uh, not just with hockey, but going into other aspects and. And, and this week, I'll be speaking with Mark Curtin, a former Maple Leaf and 11-year hockey pro who's uh, unfortunately been afflicted with ALS. And 
Um, June's coming up and it's ALS Awareness Month and he mm-hmm. wants to get the message out and, 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 and I just want to talk about his story. He's been a very successful real estate guy for Remax in the Oakville area. He was a terrific hockey player and 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 life just delivered him a bad bad card in 2018 and um he's got a message and and we're going to go to that that'll be tomorrow so um you know you just keep going on and and trying to 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 find these guests and try to to do as much research as you possibly can and and go from there so uh, i i applaud your work in terms of getting the guests because you're right you've just got to ask and and sometimes you got to ask a couple of times because people forget they put it aside but uh, everybody should have some time uh, to do this so no problem uh, sitting down talking hockey with you guys great yeah we absolutely appreciate it Uh, one more i'll toss to you paul before we let you go you did mention pat quinn top of your list um i have Mm -hmm. you know i'm a huge pat quinn fan my dad's a big pat quinn fan um you know our fondest memories as guys in our early thirties are of those early two thousands teams. Um, and you know, if you could share maybe a great Pat Quinn memory or a story from that era, um, we'd really appreciate it. You know, anything that comes to mind because I, I feel like Pat Quinn's just as larger in life, um, you know, figure in Maple Leafs lore nowadays or an NHL lore. And, and, you know, maybe some of the younger fans don't get to hear enough about the guy. Well, if I was afraid of Pat Burns, you might be afraid of Pat Quinn as well. But uh, I worked in Hamilton for 17 years, and I used to do uh, news at noon, and I'd be live on location. I'd do weather, I'd do sports, and whatever we were doing on that location. Several locations I would be uh, with the Hamilton Geritol Follies, and this was a senior citizens dance troupe that danced all, all over the place. They, they, they would dance at Universal Studios in Florida. They were a real fan favorite. And two of the members of this group were Pat's mom and dad, Jack Quinn and Gene Quinn. So I got to know them fairly well. So when Pat got the head coach job with the Leafs in that first camp in the fall of 1998 at Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, he was coming on the air with me. It was one of my last news shows on the news at noon. And because I was moving over full-time to the Leafs and, and before we got started and the camera rolling, welcome back with me is he goes, my mother gave me a stern lecture this morning on the telephone that I was to be nice to Mr. Hendrick. <laughs> and so, and so uh, he held true. He held true uh, to her instructions for the entire time. He was there, and, and Pat had such a passion. He wanted to win so hard. He was so competitive. And and I remember about 10 days before he was released by the Leafs, we were in Philadelphia for a, a game near the end of the season, and uh, I came in from a ball game uh, along with my cameraman, Rob Burling, and Pat was alone at our, our bar at the Society Hill Sheridan Hotel in Philly. And Pat said, we sat a few chairs over just to give him a space and he said hey i've showered come on down here i'll buy you a drink and we got talking and he told he told us then he was going to be let go uh, he knew they were going to bring up paul maurice and uh he felt bitter about it because he felt he'd done a great job and the team was in the playoffs every year except that one uh and they were memorable memorable years and 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 he just felt he was getting the raw end of, of the deal. Uh, and you can say he was. Uh, John Ferguson Jr. Uh, let him go. And there may have been a conflict there of some sort. But the fact of the matter is, Pat should not have been let go. 
And it was sad to see uh, a man who had accomplished so much, was as proud as he was, uh, and there on his own, uh, just, just, you know, sort of coddling a, a, a cocktail and, and, uh, and willing to talk. And, and, and I'm just, Oh my God, like, you know, this is like so many coaches in this profession or players get traded. Uh, there's a human side to this business. And, uh, and I'll always remember Pat for that because he was just, just so good. Uh, he was good to such a group of the media, but don't you dare cross him because, Oh boy, uh, a pissed off Pat was not a man to be, uh, to be uh, tolerated. And, and he didn't tolerate, any unjust media, but he had a sense of humor uh, and he was always good uh, in terms of answering the questions. And, and when that's in places like Vancouver or, or Toronto, you're in the center spot of media, especially here in Toronto. And I thought he did it with, uh, with dignity and um, rest in peace, Pat. But uh, he, for me, will always be my favorite Leaf coach uh, when I look back on it. And I liked all of them, I liked all of them for different reasons. And and that you know brings us to Sheldon Keefe right now, and, and just the job Sheldon is doing. And it's not easy to come into the situation he came in following somebody uh, like Mike Babcock. Uh, take the time, him, how hard he has worked and how quickly he has worked to accomplish these goals. Now they get to try to win a game, and then hopefully three more to get to the second series. And that first series win since 2004. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, they've put themselves in a position to produce the most balanced hockey club that I have seen with such elite talent up front and with such balance in the third and fourth lines. We've had them before here in Toronto. Believe me, the early 2000s with Pat's team and Pat Burns' clubs in 93 and 94, there was balance on those squads as well. Um, my only concern, and, and maybe it's not a legit concern, is whether the goaltending is going to be good enough. And and I hope it is. Uh, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. But the team in front of, uh, of both Jack and Freddie is outstanding. And Jack's been outstanding this year as well. I think Freddie wants to prove and will get a chance at some point to get to get back into the nets. But um, it'll be interesting to see where the goaltending is. And, and I just hope it's as consistently good as what we saw it, especially from Jack in the regular season. Now that the, the screws get tightened up in the postseason here, but again, uh, that defense and that attention to detail defensively as five men in the D zone is better than it ever has been. And the goals against the season reflected that. Yeah. You know, you talk about Pat Quinn being, you know, your favorite coach of all, of all time for the Leafs organization, you know, obviously no disrespect to the other coaches along the way. I think mm-hmm. I'm right there with you, Paul. Um, I've never, I haven't been as confident in a Leafs team as I am right now than I was back when Pat Quinn was behind the bench. And I do think that we are slowly moving towards having a similar identity as a team. And uh, my co-host and I, Lasko and I, have been talking at length over the course of what seems like the last couple of years, maybe since we started our podcast in 2018, the fact that we never really had an identity. And when we started the podcast... One of the first things that uh, I was, I believe it was in September of 2018, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. Adam. Um, Very soon after that, I had adamantly proclaimed that I believed we needed Sheldon Keefe. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Paul, but Adam and I are based out of Pembroke, Ontario. I myself Mm -hmm. have been calling 
uh, Lumber Kings hockey games for hockey TV for the better part of a decade. And, um, you know, I was there when Sheldon Keefe rattled off five consecutive championships and then culminated with the 2011 RBC Cup. And I, I just felt like the roster that was being constructed was a roster that could excel under a coach like Sheldon Keefe. So I think by the time the dust settles, Pat Quinn might be my first favorite coach, but Sheldon Keefe might ultimately be my all-time favorite coach, and that would have to be mostly due to my bias. Yeah, why not? And, and the time spent in Pembroke and you know, cultivating his coaching talent, <laughs> getting the opportunity to go to the Sioux, not win there, but, I mean, succeed there. They, they didn't win an OHL championship. And then coming to the Marlies and, and, and the belief that uh, Kyle had in Sheldon, and that, of course, culminating with a Calder Cup in 2018. Um, granted, he, he had good players, great organization, but there were a lot of ways that that could have fallen south in so many ways, and, and Sheldon kept that group. And especially when you win a Calder, you're – you're, you're seeing 70 to 75 players come through your team over the course of a year before you whittle it down to what you've got to go with to win those four series. Yeah, great goaltending from Garrett Sparks. They were a strong team defensively. The Marley team also had some key, key veterans. And, and I look at this current Leaf squad and I look at the quality of character and the veterans that they have. That, to me... I was you. There was never any doubting what Mitch and Austin, Willie and JT brought to the team in terms of quality and elite talent. You throw in the quality of character of others like Zach Hyman, now Nick Foligno, Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, Thornton. I, I mean, I can go on and on. There's just not a couple of guys. There's a lot of guys, and it has taken the pressure off of those young players who now aren't so young, we seem to forget. This is their fifth year in the National Hockey League, and they have played after the postseason. You can call last year's bubble series whatever you want, but it was still playoffs to me because there was you had to win a best of five to get to the next round. And, and those guys have been in those every year for the last four years. So this is, this is not this, hey, here we are now playing the Washington Capitals. Let's just hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a team that knows – what has to get done. Um, And there's enough talent. There's enough psychological makeup to get it done. And and I I just hope the goaltending is good enough. Uh, And I'm almost certain it will be good enough, but I've not had a chance to see Jack Campbell play in the playoffs like this. Um, But what he did to come in for Freddie and consistently play as well as he did, had a couple of rough games, but then rallied and, and bounced back from that. Uh, I, I think there's a synergy between he and the rest of the team and they thrive on each other. And, and I think it's going to hold off well uh, in a series that certainly will be tough with Montreal, but this is a better team than Montreal is. And, and uh, if it goes six, maybe, I think it's more likely to go five games. Uh, I, I just hope the Leafs get their wheels early and get going and the power play shows a little bit of success. And if that's the case, I think they shouldn't have any problem in this first round. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent observation, Paul, for you to add. And, I mean, this is something I think we've been talking about for quite some time is that it it really looks like this team is is the best opportunity that we've seen probably in our lifetimes or even if you want to take it back to the Pat Quinn era. I mean, that Pat Quinn era team – 
they they grinded. I mean, they didn't have the offense. Maybe Sundin didn't have the supporting cast. But, I mean, now we have the offense. They round out the defense. And like you said, Jack Campbell's just been a, an exceptional story for the Maple Leafs this year. Uh, he's done the unthinkable and just waltzed into the starting position. And to do as well as he have, uh, we can only hope that they continue that into the playoffs. Um, we have one more question for you. You've been absolutely generous and fantastic with the stories that you've uh, managed to share with us today. Um, but I think the best cap off to this interview here is how will you, Paul Hendrick, celebrate when the Maple Leafs finally win the Stanley Cup? Well, I'm 64 years old, so I'm, I'm hoping to be around for still many years to come. But uh, the last time I celebrated, I was 10 years old and I jumped, I was just jumping like a maniac on the bed up in Naranda, Quebec, because uh, Dave Keon was from my hometown. Kent Douglas, uh, my hometown as well, although Kent wasn't uh, there for a ring because Punch Imlock didn't get him played, I think, in the necessary 40 games. I think they held Kent out at 39. And Oh, it's a terrible thing to do. But That's, such a, bab- life that's with... a Babcock move. That's a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm a big Babs fan. So Babs, Bab, I'll, I'll hold Babs in higher esteem than Punch, but, um, you, but you can argue that. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, no, if they were to win, uh, there, there'd be a tear down my face and there'd be uh, such pride and just such joy. I mean, uh, you know, the party for the Raptors was incredible. Uh, the Maple Leafs ever won a Stanley Cup. Heaven forbid just how incredible it would be because I think it would be the Raptors celebration and then some. Uh, just because the hockey's been here for that much longer, we're just further uh, ingrained uh, in, in, in our sports background, whether it be sports or not, but it's almost religion, uh, especially when you look at the fan base across the country. And that's not taking anything away from the Raptors. That was just a remarkable celebration uh, that went on and, and how many millions were downtown to watch that parade. Um, but it would, it would be a massive celebration, something that I would equate to the Boston Red Sox finally winning that first World Series in so many years, finally, like the New York Rangers in 94, winning that Stanley Cup after such a long drought. And the other comparable would be the Chicago Cubs. Cubbies, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the Leafs would be right there in terms of the explosion of emotion. Uh, and I know a lot of fans would hate it. Is, uh, their, their main priority is crapping on the Leafs and anybody who supports them. But that's, that's the way life is in the big city when you come from Toronto and the rest of Canada. Uh, a lot of other fans in different cities don't like the Leafs or their fans and, and uh, can thrive on the fact that, you know, we haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. There have been a lot of reasons for it. Uh, but this organization, uh, if it doesn't happen this year, there's I say there's a good three to five year window where they're, they're going to be capable of doing it. So uh, this is another step along the way but they've got a chance to go to the final four and I watch these other series and how all these teams are pounding the piss out of each other. Uh, Toronto, Montreal is not going to be much different, but uh, boy, oh boy, a Colorado series, uh, Boston, Washington, Florida, Tampa. My God, I want to see all those series go seven games. Yeah. That's always Uh, what I'm rooting for as well. Paul is just give me seven games. If uh, as long as it's not the Leafs, Give me seven games because there's nothing better than seven games of what we're seeing on a nightly basis, and these playoffs yeah. are no different. Right, and and I think this Leaf team is built for that. Um, you know, I, there was only, last summer when when Jake Muzzin went out, I just said that's it. 
there's nothing left yep. for that blue line to do. There's just no physicality whatsoever. I mean, now there's Jake, uh, Zach Bogosian's back. Uh, they've got Ben Hutton who will be back sooner than later, but they, they've got some depth. Uh, they've got Justin Hall who, you know, didn't play any games for Babs that one year, 11 games in total. It was a healthy for 71. He's a confident hockey player. Uh, he's gotten bigger, stronger. Uh, he's always been a tremendous skater, but he's a smart, smart guy. Um, and 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 then you know the addition of, uh, of Brody, right? So uh, I, I, you know, the, the power play. I, I think back to Pat's Quinn's teams. McCabe's shot was always something that opposing defenses had to respect. Uh, now with the power play, you've got Morgan Riley and or Rasmus Sandy. Neither of those guys have a particularly dangerous Shea Weber kind of shot, but they're outstanding passers and they're great skaters and their vision is just fantastic. So they bring other things as well. But I, I, I seem to think that if there's a defenseman or at least somebody back there with a shot that the teams have to respect, somebody's got to come up on that. That opens up that tightly compact box in front of the opposition goaltender but they're going to find a way to get something going uh it's just that power play has got to be a little more lethal than it has been because if it is then the Leafs are going to go a long way and the talent is there to do it successfully hey Paul all we got to do is say they've been cold for so long what do we say after a big long cold stretch they're due right yep yeah, they're due. due. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, listen, I think we're due to wrap it up here, Paul. You've been gracious with your time. Uh, so generous. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Uh, next time you're talking to your buddy Bonesy, you can let him know I'm only going to bother him another 14 or 15 more times. <laughs> okay? All righty. Well, yeah, then you know what? He'll probably end up doing it somewhere somehow. Like, what the hell else is he doing? He's not golfing. I know that for a fact. That's so, what I'm yeah. saying. I said the best chance to get people on the show is right now because they can't go anywhere. They're supposed to stay <laughs> yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, shout out to Todd Gill Country, one of the great defenders in Leaf history because he took on everybody yep. and was just a solid defenseman. You can have six of those and you'll win a Stanley Cup. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and we can use six Jake Muzzins too, if, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate you yeah. shouting out Jake Muzzin there because I think I agree with you wholeheartedly last year when Jake Muzzin went down. Geez, we were in tough there, but you've given us so much, Paul, so much of your time. Uh, I know I obviously you've, you've taken a break from everything and, and, you know, semi-retired and I wish you all the best, you know, with your family and with your podcast and, and just want mm-hmm. to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Cause this is definitely a highlight for us right here, bringing, you know, in our minds, in our hearts, a legend onto the show. Um, we, we couldn't ask for more than you've given you and we just appreciate it so much. Well, thank you for your kind words, guys. I've enjoyed it. Hey, no problem. Our pleasure, Paul. And listen, you enjoy that game on Thursday, and maybe we'll chat again later down the road. All righty. All right. Thanks again, Paul. You take care. You too. Thank you. All right. Well, that was Paul Hendrick. And damn. Damn. I, I, do we just end the, end the I, show? Well, I feel like we got to do a reaction to that interview because there was so much to unpack. Like, it's funny because he asked him a question and yet he answered three of my other questions <laughs> when he talked because he took so it from true. like the question to like, oh, and it reminded me of Stumpy Thomas back and just the name dropping, like his ability to remember dates, times, you know, like all that time in Anaheim, like that's incredible. And mm-hmm. then like you figure obviously in his industry and he talked about doing, you know, four to six hours of prep 
all the time. So like he has to have a sharp memory and be of sharp mind. And and man, has he? It's just his ability to recall that kind of stuff. Well, man, he honed he honed his craft. Yeah, and you can I mean you could hear it just there in the interview. Yeah, like and and if you if you haven't checked it out yet, go check out his. Go check out his podcast. The obviously. first question. First question, but you know, I feel like he could just start his own podcast of just him telling stories oh, because easily. he has a. I mean, just the stories he shared with us today were incredible. I mean, asking him about Pat Quinn and him telling him telling us about the day Pat Quinn found out he was getting let go and he's having a drink with him. Yeah, like that's that's just an unreal moment to remember in his mind. And and I sent a little bit of emotion too when he was when he was recalling memories. Of Pat oh, Quinn. most Obviously, definitely. Pat, you know, being well, think so about yourself, and, man. How, what were your emotions like when Pat Quinn got fired? I know it's a long time ago, but I remember. Oh, I was pissed. I was pissed. I was pissed. I think and, every Leaf fan in the world that, yeah. that, you know, follows the team and is dedicated to the team, I think every one of those people were pissed. Yeah, and he brought up the point right away. He's like, and I don't, I don't believe he should have been let go, and I agreed with him because Pat, Pat, you know, it was weird too because Pat Quinn got relieved of the GM duties. Remember, he was GM and coach at the time, and JFJ took over the Ferg Turtler there, and then uh, we end up with uh, just him as the coach. And then it felt like it felt like once JFJ took over, it was only a matter of time. But Turd Ferguson Jr. It was so cool <laughs> to hear his his insight in that, and and just to hear him talk about when he was a kid, when he you know his his vivid memories, at least winning the cup. I didn't know that uh, he was from the same uh, hometown as Davey Keon. So that's a pretty cool little tidbit he dropped on us. And, mm-hmm. and man, what a storyteller. Like, I, I feel like if, if, you know, if, he, if he's got something else going for him in, in his uh, semi-retirement or whatever you want to call it, it, it's being an incredible storyteller and just, and just having the, I guess it, really with the podcast, he's taking advantage of the Rolodex he has and, and, you know, getting in touch with those players like he did, tee up that Stumpy Thomas interview, which sounds like it's going to be a dandy. Oh, I can't wait for it. Like, uh, I've tuned into probably five or six of them so far, like since we started chatting with Henny about bringing him on the show. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, I wanted to do as much homework as I could as well. So I was just kind of, you know, tuning into the first question, a few of those episodes. I listened to the one with Dougie Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did listen to the one with Bill Waters and Joe Bowen. Uh, little fun fact there, kind of throwing in a, a side plug yeah. uh, for, for Joe Bowen. You're just trying to piggyback right away. Like, well, now we got you, Paul. Like, why don't you give us Joe Bowen? <laughs> yeah, but come on. It wasn't out of left field. He was talking no, about Bonesy. And, you know, and, and let's be honest. If he's a friend of Bonesy, which we know he is, and I know that it's you— probably the closest we'll ever get. I know that you know this. Joe Bowen is very active on Twitter. He is one active, <laughs> thirsty man on he Twitter. He is active. Okay, <laughs> so all you got to show me is that you're active on Twitter, and you know every now and then you, you might get a response. That's, that's all it is, right? And same thing with, with Paul Hendrick. I mean, he's active on Twitter— um, I didn't, he didn't have like his DMS open or anything, but I just, I just tweeted at him. I don't even remember exactly how it went, but yeah. I just tweeted at him. Hey, do you want to join our show? And he was like, absolutely. Yeah. That's something that can't be repeated nearly enough for all you young podcasters, aspiring broadcasters, shoot your shot. bloggers, all that you shoot your shot, you get it out there. That's how you get the, get the people you might, what the worst you can, something that echoes in my head in any situation going out throughout my life is the worst you're going to hear is no. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you might hear it a thousand times, but the five times you hear yes, it could turn into something Those like five you just great had shows. right there. Yeah. Like, uh, I, like, jo- like I was, you, you know, you saw me on camera there. I was grinning ear to ear throughout oh. that entire interview. Um, that's something I'm going to remember. It's definitely peak 
podcast career, whatever you want to call it for me, uh, bringing a guy like that. And it's probably the closest we've managed to get to the Leafs organization through an interview. For oh, sure. most definitely inside information like that. Like, yes, of course, we've talked to Luke Fox from Sportsnet. We've talked to Nick Alberga from Leafs Fan 590. Like these guys, they also have their finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. Henny is the pulse. Yeah. Or he was. Yeah. You know, and, when and he I was think, around the team. I think catching him in his retirement, too, or is, is after he left, maybe made him a, a little more, maybe just the guard down a little bit. Like, you know, he doesn't got to go. To, he doesn't have to go to work tomorrow and be like, oh, yeah, I think I might have said something about Babcock on that the I podcast have, yeah. or whatever. So it was, it was good to have him a little more free flowing. But, man, like, I, you know, a guy like that, and, and you think about a guy of his stature, you're like, all right, I don't want to take up too much of his time. But, you know, we could have went another hour. It felt like the way he was telling stories. And like I said, you ask him one question, he answers three. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And, and just, uh, you know, a personal highlight of mine for sure. And that was a lot of fun. And, you know, hopefully he'll join us again one day. Um, uh, we obviously have developed a very wonderful plethora of guests here, uh, roster of guests, I guess oh, you yeah. could say, on the Great roster. podcast. Put his number um, in the Rolodex. Put it in the Rolodex. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, we're ready to wrap it up here. Yeah, I we guess got, so. We got some work to do, man. You got to go home and cut your grass. Yeah, you got some editing to do. Oh, here. I got some editing you to do. You got some editing to do. I mean, it's so nice out. Like, the temptation to just go slip out on the deck and have a pint right now versus cutting grass is heavy. We'll do that. Especially, cut the grass tomorrow. I've had a couple, you know, while we did the show. But yeah. I know I cut it tomorrow. It's longer. Like, it already looks like shit. Like, ah, oh, God, I hate being that guy. Yeah, but we got to promo our live show. That's true. We do have to do that, too. So we don't have work to do. So I guess we'll let you guys go on the podcast for today. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow the show at PuckPod on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Puck in yeah, slash Pucks in Deep if you want to tune to the live show. At Lesko Adam on Twitter, at Coleman42, and follow Henny while you're at it too, at Henny Tweets on Twitter as well. Nice. Enjoy the playoffs, enjoy the run. Tune in Thursday night, first intermission. If you want to hear the boys rant and rave and sweat and whatever we're doing after the first period of Montreal Toronto, it's going to be epic. We can't tell you what it's going to be like because we don't know. It depends on the Leafs play. Like, man, if we go up like three zip. Poppy with two. Oh, we're going to be just arrogant as hell. Uh, I don't even know. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I've never done it before. I've never really seen it before. So I don't really know what to expect at all. And we're the ones fucking doing yeah. it. We're putting the group chat on blast. Put it that way. Group chat's on blast. Do it live. Right. We're doing it live. All right. That's it. Episode 82 is a wrap. Big thanks again to Mr. Paul Hendrick, the legend. The legend. The icon. The icon. The man of the people. The face of Leafs Nation. Man of the people. An absolutely epic interview. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. Hit us up on Facebook. The Pucks in Deep podcast is going to the moon. To the moon.